Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. Joining us here on the 6th of July is Mr. Jaron Boslow. Jaron, the Mavericks have actually done something in free agency for once. They facilitated a sign-in trade with the Boston Celtics and San Antonio Spurs to where they were able to get Grant Williams on a four-year, $53 million deal in a sign-in trade. Uh, The sort of uh, stipulations of the deal uh, where that Reggie Bullock went to the San Antonio Spurs. The Mavericks um, ended up giving the Spurs a 20-30 uh, pick swap, essentially, uh, for their first-round pick. So whoever has the better pick, uh, they're able to flip positions there. Otherwise, uh, the Mavericks got two seconds in the deal, and Boston got two seconds as well, and they were able to sh- shed some salary. The Mavericks also offered Matisse Thybul a three-year, $33 million offer sheet to which Portland was able to match this morning. But obviously a huge day in Dallas Mavericks free agent history, I guess I should say, given the uh, yeah. sort of la- uh, the recent corruption really since the championship, um, you know, it, uh, has ensued. Um, Jaron, what was your reaction to these moves made yesterday? Um, are, are you excited? And uh, what what is the sentiment around the Mavericks fan base right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, fans pretty much everywhere who, no matter you know what type of fanship you are uh, in terms of Dallas Maverick, uh, you should definitely be excited. You should definitely be ex- happy for what is to come. I mean, Grant Williams, a guy who pretty much has been targeted since day one, uh, free agency, or at least has been rumored uh, since you know trades were kind of being, I guess we're kind of happening or, you know, we're allowed to happen. You know, he's been one of the guys that have been at the top of the list and a lot of fans and a lot of fans and a lot of uh, the front office sort of views. Um, So definitely very excited. Uh, And the Mavericks are actually making productive moves, which is very surprising, very rare to hear. Uh, But this year almost seems like, you know, it might be the turn of the century. It might be the turnaround uh, for this team. I mean, this has been an amazing offseason and this Grant Williams trade only adds to it. Uh, I mean, for a while there, I know that everyone is starting to get a little antsy. Um, just kind of, I think it was around, I think it was five days, uh, pretty much between nothing happening. Uh, um, and I could tell that, you know, everyone is getting a little antsy. Everyone was kind of expecting uh, things to happen by then. And of course they hadn't, but Grant Williams finally coming to Dallas and a huge deal uh, where if I, if we're being honest, I think, you know, Dallas, of course, probably got the better end out of anyone here. Uh, but I think all teams were pretty fairly, um, I guess, prized or they got pretty fair um, compensation. Uh, compensation for what they traded. So, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think that the all three fan or all three teams should have got or got fleeced or anything like that. So overall, I think it was a, a great trade for all three teams. Um, and of course, I mean, no bias or try not to be as much as bias. Uh, I think Dallas probably walked away with the best end considering that they got two second round picks in the process. But um, yeah, I mean, on the court, this is going to be very fun. Uh, he's a great locker room guy. Uh, we saw his time in Boston. Yeah, I mean, he was filled up with memes. Uh, of course, you know, him in a Batman suit speaking 
uh, to the media is definitely probably top of the top in terms of memes and uh, his career so far. But uh, I mean, he's a great locker room guy, a guy who's going to bring a lot of energy um, and not just that, but he's going to do the little things right on the court. And, you know, I'm very excited for this. I think Mavericks fans alike should be very excited. Um, and for if any reason, if you are a Grant Williams fan, I'm sure we'll see them now. Uh, but I don't know if those are if those do exist. But you all should be very excited as well, because playing alongside Kyrie and Luca is going to be very fun and very exciting uh, for his young career. I mean, he's only he's only been in the league for four years going into his fifth. So uh, I'm very excited uh, to you know, see what the on-court product is going to be. But I, I love this move. A plus, uh, if there's anything higher than an A plus, you know, I, I would tally it as that. No, definitely. The Mavericks finally get their bigger wing. Um, a, a guy who historically has been uh, one of the better three-point shooters in the league, uh, surprisingly, at least from a catch-and-shoot perspective. Um, a guy that can fit seamlessly from, you know, w- with Luka and Kyrie, you know, obviously on defense, uh, with his ability to rotate over as the as the low man and you know be a weak side rim protector at times, but also you know as his on his on ball ability is is second to none. This is a guy that can guard, um, you know, really two through four sometimes, uh, sometimes even fives, uh, just sort of depending on the matchup. Uh, he's he's going to be a huge cog in Jason Kidd's scheme, um, and and offensively he'll be the benefactor of a lot of other, you know, drawn attention to Luca and Kyrie and a guy who's not one dimensional. He can operate off the, off the dribble, attack off a closeout, do some different things. Uh, this is a, a premier signing for the Mavericks at really good value. Grant Williams was rumored to, of course, you know, maybe get over 15 million. So this is, uh, this is about as good as it gets from that perspective. We'll get more into the Matisse Thybul offer sheet along with, you know, what the Mavericks could potentially do next. But, you know, they, they finally make a move uh, when the Grant Williams rumors, uh, I wouldn't say they had all but fizzled out, but the, the P.J. Washington rumors to Dallas were definitely at the forefront and there wasn't too much smoke, um, you know, sort of dissipating out of the Mavericks canister there uh, that, that said Grant, Grant Williams on it. And uh, now all of a sudden he is here after, you know, Tim McMahon even said that he thought he didn't know how, un, you know, how likely it was for Grant Williams to come to Dallas, uh, given some members in the front office were sort of iffy about him or whatever, just a few days ago. And, you know, the rumors have been at the forefront really since uh, well before free agency, but uh, something finally happens here. Um, it, it's a, it's a matter of execution. The Mavericks finally execute upon a, uh, a rumor that you know was in the mill uh, in a free agency period at least you know i'll give him the benefit of the doubt after this past trade deadline but in a free agency period and uh nico is continuing to master all facets of transaction within the nba and uh it's it's a really beautiful thing to see Uh, the mavericks i think still hopefully have more to do so we'll get into that a lot in this podcast as you know as well as some of grant williams fit and, and a bunch of other stuff maybe not a full fledged player profile today but we'll definitely get into how the fit is and you know the the player that we're looking at here but it's an exciting time on the mainstream mouse podcast for for us you know just a little over a year ago we were in despair having just started the podcast <laughs> absolutely um, just just two wandering individuals um caught up in a perpetual cycle of mass free agency failures uh poised to do our best to justify whatever was happening even though we knew that it, it was unjustifiable. Jaron, we have justifiable uh, sort of 
signings, um, transactions here from the Mavericks. And, and that's, I think, uh, the, the, the big key in this. The Mavericks actually did something that we can look at and uh, then not have a complete negative spin on it. And that that's really all we need to go ahead and, you know, head into the ad read here um, on, on such a positive note. So here is an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters, and we will catch you guys after the break. All right, Jaron. So I guess we'll go ahead and cover the, the Grant Williams news first, even though sequentially the Matisse Thibault news obviously came first. And then I'm honestly kind of happy that we had to delay this podcast a little bit because we wouldn't if had we done it last night we would still be under the anticipation that the Blazers have yet to match but of course they did match that offer sheet but with Grant Williams Jaron could you just speak to the overall significance of getting a guy in Dallas who actually wants to be here this is a guy during the regular season who Luka Doncic uh, I believe sent a signed jersey to Um, it's a guy who you know already changed uh you know, his Instagram and Twitter profiles, all his social medias to Dallas Mavs. He seems, you know, uber excited to to get here and fit in with the the current, um, you know, rendition of the team uh, that could obviously still, um, you know, be still, you know, a little restructured. But we'll see how that happens um, or if it does at all. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, this is a, a fairly significant uh, given just the last few years of free agents historically not really wanting to be in Dallas outside of, you know, really since 2011, um, you know, guys that are you know, even somewhat significant, uh, maybe Monte Ellis, Chandler Parsons, uh, Harrison Barnes. And even then those weren't necessarily moves that were, you know, in an attempt to thrust, thrust the Mavericks into contention at the time. Uh, what, what does it mean to have a guy, like Grant Williams, you know, as, as good of a locker room guy is, as good of a teammate he is, you know, only 24, um, as excited as he is to be in Dallas and, and play with Luka and Kyrie, what does that mean for this Mavericks team? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Grant Williams, you know, of course, speaking to sort of his locker room ability uh, and locker room effect, he's a great teammate. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of what Boston did in the playoffs was in large part to Grant Williams' role. Uh, I mean, I believe in the first round, he was kind of, uh, more, you know, used every few games. Uh, didn't have a huge role that first, uh, and I believe that early second round, but very quickly, uh, the leaders on that team, like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, they were very quickly calling for his name, calling for him to get bigger minutes and have a bigger role uh, in the playoffs. And they made it all the way to a game seven in that Eastern Conference Finals, in large part uh, due to what he did off the bench. So I think you're going to get a great teammate, a guy who's, you know, willing to do uh, pretty much anything for the team to win. Um, I think... You know, in one of the articles that I read, uh, I forget who wrote it. Um, yeah, I honestly don't remember who wrote it. But uh, in one of the articles that I read about him, he was more than willing to take a seat back uh, in Boston and, you know, kind of play a, a reserve uh, sort of role on his, that team as long as they were winning. Uh, so, you know, he's a winning first type of guy. Uh, he's willing to do the small things to get the wins. Uh, he's probably going to be our type, the type guy to dive on the floor, um, show some toughness, show some grittiness. Uh, and that's what this Mavericks team is in dire need of. And not just that, but also positionally, uh, he's more of a three and D wing. Uh, I mean, he was kind of the second best defender on guys like Embiid and guys like Jokic in the regular season for Boston. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him not necessarily be a primary matchup on those two or on those sort of bigger centers, uh, but he can definitely be a switch defender in that, in that scenario. Um, so I would be very surprised if the Mavericks do not use him in that sort of role. I think that they definitely will use that. 
Uh, but look, I mean, like I said, you know, you're getting a guy who's, you know, willing to do the small things uh, to get the win, get get some grittiness, get some toughness out in there. And that's what this Mavericks team needed. So I'm very stoked. I'm very excited to see what he can do. Um, I mean, he only shot 39.5% from three, which is great numbers. That's like a career low almost, I think. Uh, but still, you know, great numbers from three. Um, and not just that, but, you know, he almost averaged six rebounds or five rebounds. I can't remember uh, for the last season. So. Uh, I mean, he's a guy, like I said, that's going to do the small things, going to do the effort things uh, to try and get a win. And I'm very excited. Uh, I mean, at this point, Will, I don't really know what arguments you have against this, but I mean, heck, is he the Mavericks third best player at this point? Because I, I know likely he'll be starting. Um, and outside of that, I can't really think of anyone who might have a bigger role than him, of course, other than Kyrie and Luca. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I was honestly probably going to carry the same sentiment that, you know, that question sort of took me aback when I had to really think about it. Um, seeing as the Mavericks, you know, still could get a guy that may be a little bit better. Um, you know, it also kind of tampers the excitement down a little um, when, you know, you realize yeah. <laughs> sort of uh, talent deficiency on this team. But um, besides that, I, I mean, they have a sort of cast here of, of really good role players. And, you know, while the Mavericks still – you know, do have some areas of improvement that we'll talk about later in the pod that definitely uh, I think we both probably carry the same sentiment that they're going to need to improve upon that if they still wish to be, uh, you know, these tried and true title contenders, like we sort of hypothesized, uh, given, you know, they made the Kyrie Irving move back in February. And that's the direction that we've been saying that they've been poised to go and need to go in. Um, but I mean, as of right now, Grant Williams might be the third player on this team to answer your question. And that's not even really a knock upon him. It more so uh, shows the versatility that this guy adds from, you know, both a defensive perspective and uh, you know, how seamlessly he can fit in, you know, as a good role player on the other end, this is a guy who's extremely physical. Um, you know, he has about a six ten wingspan at six, 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 seven, yeah. uh, whatever he's listed at. Um, so it's, it's not, you know, he, he doesn't have the most insane length in the world, but he's also not a complete square uh, with those dimensions. And on top of that, I mean, he's a very stout 240 um, and he uses um, his measurables. I mean, to the best of his, his advantages, like you would just, you know, sort of talk about Jaren. Uh, this is a guy that if he is, you know, to get scram switched mid possession for whatever reason, uh, the Mavericks are lacking some size on the floor. He, he's a guy that can anchor down and guard some of these bigger bodied centers, you know, just strictly due to his base, uh, strictly due to his, his strength and physicality as a defender. Um, he'll be able to, to anchor down and, you know, oftentimes at least be able to derail, you know, certain centers, uh, be able to get a hand in their face. You know, this isn't a guy that is the most insanely athletic, you know, guy on the planet, but he, he's not a slouch by any means. And to get him at uh 24, um, you know, a, a very versatile defender, you know, really two through five on occasions, um, even though I think he definitely is more poised to guard two through four most of the time. Um, and, and a guy that can, you know, knock down any catch and shoot three at a moment's notice, um, especially with some of the um, sort of looks he's going to get in Dallas here. I mean, he he'll almost be spoon fed some of these looks here in the corner and stuff like that. Um, you know, playing probably the four for the Mavericks. I mean, he he hops in honestly probably as an instant starter, and you know this guy yeah. is going to be a 
a very high end role player for the Mavericks um, on a four year deal um, is something that, you know, I didn't even think um, in my wildest dreams, you know, I, I'd really be able to come out of this uh, sort of saying here, not that, you know, I, I didn't think his deal would be four years, but to, you know, nail a guy like Grant Williams down you know, really throughout the, uh, you know, early prime and middle prime of his career, probably during, you know, during his potentially best contract throughout his career um, as a role player, uh, I mean, is is nothing short of a great move by Nico Harrison, uh, Dennis Lindsay, whatever other players are in the front office, Andrew Baker. Uh, the Mavericks really hit the nail on the head with this specific move. They needed uh, a bigger bodied wing who could guard the, you know, LeBron's KDs uh, of the world in this, you know, very tough, rigid Western conference. And they were able to get it here with Grant Williams, uh, the, you know, complete antithesis of a sort of one dimensional three and D wing. He's a guy that can, you know, also uh, take, a defender off the dribble on occasion, uh, use some of that size in, in terms of his post ability, um, you know, in, in the mid post, um, you know, coming downhill to, to really uh, throw defenders off kilter and get to the rim. He, he has a really good basketball IQ, a really good feel for the game. Um, this is a guy that, you know, I, you, you wouldn't, that, that you honestly would like on any team, even if he wasn't starting for another team and they had a better three or a four um, he, he's still a guy that fits really seamlessly in any lineup. And um, for him to be in Dallas is, like I said, is nothing short uh, of amazing. It's something that we've been honestly lusting after in terms of getting a sort of coveted free agent acquisition uh, since the genesis of the Nico Harrison era. And it, it's finally coming into fruition here. And, you know, we're going to see if the Mavericks have uh, more moves here in the toolbox, more, things they can pull off, but uh, what what a fit to add to Kyrie and Luca and the Mavericks finally acquire a starting level role player, you know, throughout this offseason. They have acquired some solid pieces throughout this offseason, particularly in the draft, you know, and Seth Curry, Olivier Maxence Prosper, uh Derek Lively the second. But, you know, to get to get a, you know, day one definitive starter, uh, a guy who wants to be here, um, is honestly uh, a dream come true. And I hope the Mavericks continue churning upon this brigade, use this momentum to to do some other things and, you know, really, you know, stay steadfast in their approach uh, to this free agency period. But, you know, like I said, they, they really hit the, the nail on the head with this Grant Williams move. Yeah, absolutely. And to touch up on, you know, sort of the more intangibles, I mean, the Mavericks receiving two second round picks in the deal as well. Uh, is going to be very huge and just, you know, what they can possibly do with those uh, and just from a, a sort of roster building standpoint. So I know that we'll touch up on that a little bit later, but uh, I mean, look, I, they added another young guy uh, to this sort of young pool of players that are now going to be sort of your, your front runners um, on a team that's, you know, still of course shifting and still of course developing. But uh, I mean, this team all of a sudden got very young. They added yet another, you know, 24 year old or uh, 25 and old, 25 and younger guy uh, to this roster. So I I'm excited, you know, from that standpoint, you know, not necessarily saying your future is like locked up or anything like that. Like, but, you know, this team has all of a sudden built up its assets, um, built up its sort of future movability and future sort of flexibility uh, that is. And, you know, this team, 
I mean, this summer, I I wouldn't be opposed to two more moves. I think that they possibly have two more moves in them. Uh, I know that we'll probably touch up on that a little later, but uh, they just, you know, I guess they just kind of secured or locked up, um, you know, these high-level, high-caliber younger guys. Um, and, I mean, I'm very excited to see what they can do on the court because, uh, again, you know, I think Grant Williams, especially him, uh, he's probably going to have the biggest role out of any of our young players. But, uh, I mean, heck, you know, he's going to come in there. And like I said, you know, he's probably going to start at the three, maybe even four, uh, just kind of depending how this roster rounds out. So we'll, we'll definitely see. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like the fit. I really like the move. And just from a trading perspective, it's a, a very, very good trade. Uh, and I mean, look, this is the first trade that the Mavericks have made in a long time where the national media uh, has definitely been liking this one a lot. So I, I think from that standpoint, it's cool as well. So I, I love this move from the Mavericks. Of course, I've said it a million times now. And I know you've said it well. Uh, but like I said, I, I can't get enough of it, and I, I'm in love with it. So I, I'm very excited to see the future. No, most definitely. I mean, the Mavericks have established a sort of young core here um, after this Grant Williams move, which is kind of weird to say. Uh, he's a guy that I honestly thought was a little bit older, but, I mean, he's only 24, um, and, and he adds on to uh, a sort of array of role players here, potentially paired with Luka Doncic that even in the post-Kyrie Irving era, um, you know, can – sort of carry the boats here for the Mavericks um, and potentially uh, you're looking at a package now uh, with some of the pieces that the Mavericks have on this roster uh, to where they could swing a trade for a third star in, in a few years. And I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself or anything like that uh, in terms of forecasting what they're going to do years on from now when, you know, the, the focus and the uh, direction of this franchise is one in which they want to contend, you know, probably this year. Um, but the Mavericks do have a, a pool of really good young players, um, given their, you know, two recent drafts, you know, getting Jaden Hardy, Olivier Maxence Prosper, as well as Derek Lively, you know, and Josh Green, you know, paired in tandem w with Luca and Grant Williams. Uh, I'm not saying that I want any of those guys to leave unless, you know, a, a sort of undeniable trade came into fruition that didn't involve Luca, of course. I mean, I think that we can both agree he's obviously untouchable. Um, but it does give you a lot of flexibility uh, going forward to add a guy like this on a very tradable contract like that, um, you know, in, in tandem with those guys, you know, years out. So, um, I, I like I said, I'm not trying to forecast what's going to happen. I'm not trying to say I want Grant Williams to leave. I think he can be a Maverick for a very long time. All I'm saying uh, essentially is that the Mavericks do have a lot more, you know, sort of increased flexibility with the trades they can make. Um, in, in the long term, uh, as well as the short term, right? Um, you know, but just in the long term, they, they have um, guys that other teams may potentially actually want now uh, when you're looking at getting some of these more coveted guys around the league at the trade deadline that we just really haven't been able to do, you know, get or, you know, facilitate a trade of that matter. Uh, they can do that now. So it opens up uh, that as well in the future, you know, even though, like I said, I don't think they're going to be trading any of those guys. Um, and, um, the young cast in Dallas, um, is something that I, I think is really special because, uh, the Mavericks are setting a foundation, uh, even when the Luca Kyrie, uh, sort of era comes to an end when Kyrie fizzles out, when he gets too old, whenever that happens. And, you know, that, that could be two years from now, that could be four or five years from now, but, uh, to, to set the groundwork, um, in a sort of warriors esque way, the way that they kind of did with some of their draft picks, with the Mavericks not necessarily having a, you know, top end draft capital year after year, you know, really barring that 10th pick um, it is really 
indicative of how uh, savvy Nico Harrison and that front office has been since this offseason started. I mean, you know, up until this point, even though uh, I sort of went on a Twitter rant yesterday after uh, Jake Fisher published an article that said the Mavericks were uh, not going after P.J. Washington. And it he didn't say this word for word, but essentially because P.J. Washington was a big and not a wing, uh, which was one of the more uh, comical uh, sort of sentences uh, in a paragraph I'd read recently. Um, but, you know, after that, I, I was definitely a little bit distraught. I was starting to, you know, kind of let my delusion be led astray, uh, given that I thought the, you know, offseason actually uh, may be sort of uh, culminating into an end there, um, given recent Mavs offseasons where they, you know, say they're going to address an issue and then, you know, only sort of pseudo address an issue and then try to justify it by them not having the uh, financial flexibility to pull something off, which, I mean, you know, in a lot of the instances in terms of the guys they missed out on so far in this free agency, you know, the primary reason for that is, you know, mostly the Mavericks didn't have the money to to get a lot of these guys or they, you know, some of these guys wanted to go to more coveted cities like uh, an L.A. or a New York or something uh, bougie like that. But, you know, in, in the position that the the Mavericks are currently in, I think that they, you know, did a great job for what they, you know, had working and they still have the potential to use some of this, you know, flexibility that they were able to, you know, both gain from the the draft and some that was just kind of previously slated beforehand, um, you know, given Ky- Kyrie's contract and some and some of the other stuff uh, with the, you know, $9 million that they are currently under the uh, first tax apron, um, you know, just the sort of order of operations here um, gives them the ability to still use the full mid-level exception after the Matisse-Dibel move. So, uh, I mean, just, you know, from a flexibility perspective, uh, as, as well as bolstering, you know, uh, an already um, promising young core, I, I thought that this was a great move. And I, I think we'll get into Grant Williams a lot more on future podcasts, Jaron, um, and, and we'll dive into, you know, his fit as well as, you know, uh, more of a deep dive of him uh, as a player and the basketball intangibles, things of that nature. Um, but, you know, at face value covering the fit and for, you know, I, I assume his contract will be ascending to a slight degree, but at only four years, 13 and a half million, just slightly above that mid-level exception, the Mavericks were able to, you know, really hit the nail on the head with a um, very, you know, lucrative, you know, for, you know, team friendly sort of deal here. And uh, it's very promising from that perspective. Jaron, a lot of fans obviously loved the Bang Bros. They loved Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock's pairing uh, and their ability to, uh, you know, be those primary three and D guys for the Mavericks. Uh, they obviously sort of spearheaded uh, the defense within that 2021-2022 uh, uh, playoff campaign where the Mavericks went to the Western Conference Finals. It, it was met not with a disastrous end, but a little bit of a sort of a unwinding, uh, sort of negative, just sort of bland end to Reggie Bullock's time in Dallas here. Yeah, a, a little negative departure. but Yeah. And, uh, you know, after- yeah, I, you know, I think, yeah, it was a little bit of a negative departure. So, but, 
Uh, I mean, what what did you? I mean, I wouldn't say it was like a negative departure in terms of there being any bad blood there, um, but it, it was definitely, uh, you know, negative from the perspective of how he kind of ended his time in Dallas. Just you know, oh, kind of on a, a somber note. Wasn't you know playing the best basketball of his career to say the least. Um, obviously, we send our well wishes to to Reggie in San Antonio or anywhere else if he ends up getting you know, bought out or stretch waved or something of that nature. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that that came in and played hard um, for 82 games every year for the Mavericks. Um, I, I don't know if he actually played 82 games, but he, he played like he was playing 82 games um, just in terms of the attention to detail uh, and the effort that he applied every night. He, he, he really was a true pro, uh, a guy that was always ready for battle. He obviously um, definitely fell short of his, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know, uh, his trajectory in terms of what he may have uh, has been on in his career. Uh, This was maybe the first season that we saw Reggie Bullock's game wane a little bit. He he maybe wasn't as much of the Reggie Bullock as old, you know, not just from a three-point perspective. Uh, You know, he always has those beginning of season sort of slumps but you know this one seemed like there was you know almost an added layer of um sort of deficiency there and um on top of that he did just look a little bit slower on defense he also looked a little bit less physical on defense was getting beat a little bit more this year um but overall i wouldn't say it was like the complete worst season in the world for him he definitely still contributed and you know was tasked with a larger role than he was um, probably ready for, you know, being the, you know, primary wing defender, really the only wing defender on this roster, uh, after the Kyrie trade. Um, if you would have asked me, you know, before the off season started, if, if he was going to be the first one to get traded for the Mavericks, you know, I honestly probably would have said maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. was out the door first. Um, but Reggie is actually the, the first guy out the door. Jaron, uh, do you have any other, uh, sentiments that you would like to, uh, carry over for Reggie uh, after his little two-year stint in Dallas? Do you, do you want to send him on any well wishes um, or, or anything else that you'd like to uh, say before we, we give our sort of lasting thoughts before the Mavericks play um, their 45-second their farewell tribute video when they first play the Spurs um, th- this coming season in the AAC? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I shout out to Reggie. I mean, he was an integral part of our playoff run in 2022. Uh, but look, I mean, you know, uh, you can't ha- you can't hate the move like I said uh, I mean he's a guy I think he played 78 games uh, including uh, I'm not sure if he sat out against San Antonio in the last game of the season so he may have played 80 um, but I do know that he sat out for two due to injury reasons and then outside of that uh, like I said I'm not really sure of so uh, but look I mean yeah he's, he's a class A pro uh, San Antonio is getting a good veteran a guy who of course can shoot um, and play some defense but look I mean First things first, you know, you're replacing Grant Williams with Reggie Bullock, which is an automatic upgrade in my book. Um, So, you know, outside of that, I hope uh, Victor Wiminyama enjoys Bullock Island. uh, And I hope that that Spurs, you know, Spurs team, Spurs organization takes advantage of that because, um, look, I mean, I don't know what all there is to do in San Antonio besides uh, going to Bullock Island and going to the Bahamas and uh, enjoying some nice sun because they won't be making the playoffs next year. I'm just playing. They actually might. But uh, nah. uh, in all seriousness, though, shout out to Reggie. Uh, and, you know, I do hope that uh, his, into his career uh, or his time in San Antonio goes well. Um, and look, I mean, 
you know, if he is going to get bought out, I still think he has a role in the NBA. So shout out to him. And uh, I hope he does well wherever he is, uh, if it's not San Antonio. Yeah, no, I mean, even though Reggie is is waning a little bit in terms of his productivity as a, you know, integral sort of three and D starter that that stage in his career may may start to be uh, passing, uh, given he's 32 now, I, I still think that he can contribute to an NBA roster in the right role for sure. Uh, can definitely carve out a nice little uh, niche for himself in the league uh, over the maybe next three or four years if he's able to stay healthy, still be a, a solid 3 and D wing off the bench. So all, all the, the best wishes to him. I'm sorry the his time in Dallas couldn't end on a better note, but um, this was a no-brainer sort of move to, to move a guy like Reggie at his age, you know, at, at that $10 million figure, uh, a guy who definitely, you know, ha- was sort of waning in production last year, but, you know, also – even if you do keep him around and, and add some other pieces, he, he still just isn't on the trajectory and timeline of Luka Doncic. And you get a great guy in Grant Williams that can uh, guard uh, a little bit higher, maybe isn't as of good, you know, as a point of attack defender as Reggie, but in all other areas, he honestly uh, might be better. Even in the three-point shooting category, he's definitely at least in the neighborhood of Reggie Bullock at this stage in his career. And, um, you know, it's definitely a definitive upgrade, especially with the Mavericks getting those two second round picks to be able to wheel and deal in other trades. Um, so, Jaron, I mean, let, let's just go ahead and, you know, point blank, point blank, rather uh, get into it here with the Mavericks uh, of flexibility. Mark Stein said on his, uh, you know, sort of Substack chat uh, where he's been interacting with fans and things of that nature uh, that the Mavericks are, are by no means uh, done in terms of you know, them being poised to uh, acquire a starting center here. They they still realize that's an area where they're lacking now. Maybe a move doesn't come into fruition for them. You know, maybe they're not able to do that. Um, maybe the Mavericks really aren't even to somehow use their MLE uh, or they just neglect to and they'd rather, um, you know, operate $9 million under the apron for absolutely no reason at all. You never know. They just don't view any guy that's – uh, you know, coveted enough to be signed with that money. And maybe they just want to restructure the way that some of their deals were made and, and they just, you know, say, screw it. Now that would be, you know, definitely asset and roster uh, malpractice if they were to sort of choose, choose that route. But if the off season were to end today for the Mavericks, Jaron, um, what do you give this off season after the Grant Williams move? Yeah. I mean, after the Grant Williams move, it definitely, improves the needle uh, I mean for the first time you can confidently say outside of you know resigning Kyrie of course but for the first time you can confidently say uh, you know f- in terms of this season uh, they got a guy who's going to move the needle with Grant Williams so I you know I, I still would probably roam in the range of a B plus or an A minus because again you know I, I think that this team is still one two moves away uh, from being complete you know there's still a backup wing uh, you know, or maybe even another starting caliber at this point, you never know, uh, and a starting center away from being, you know, where this, where this team needs to be. So, uh, I, I'm not going to say, you know, full on, it's going to be an A plus off season after that grant trade. Uh, but look, you know, the, the Mavericks have come out or at least per Mark Stein have come out and said, uh, that they are still, uh, active in the trade market for a starting center. And, you know, uh, to the, to your point, you know, those two second round picks definitely make more flexibility options possible. And of course you retain Tim Hardaway uh, and you retain uh, or, and you keep JaVale McGee in the process. So I mean, there's, Holmes. there's more trading. Yeah. Rashawn Holmes. But, I'm still a little confused about that situation. So uh, yeah, um, to, just for a quick uh, footnote real quick, uh, Rashawn Holmes cannot be traded in aggregate anymore. As soon as they make 
that uh, trade where okay. they got him and Olivier Maxence Prosper back. Um, I believe it's like two months that he can't be traded in aggregate with another player because he was newly acquired by the Mavericks. Now, I, I know they haven't really made that trade official yet, so I, I think a lot of people are still exactly wondering what's going to happen. Mavs PR, you know, was supposed to no or not supposed to but the the first official day the Mavericks could make that Rashawn Holmes thing completely official was today and it doesn't seem like they've done it yet so I mean he still could be on the on the chop block I'll go check Mavs PR I checked it before we started the podcast but I have not looked at it since uh to see yeah. if there's been anything new on that front but if Rashawn Holmes is indeed officially acquired by the Mavericks they can only trade him by himself uh he cannot be traded in aggregate with any other player. I mean, okay. they can ship him out with draft picks and stuff like that, but um, they can't combine his salary with anybody else in a trade. So that is a, a quick sort of footnote real quick, um, you know, for everybody wondering how that situation is going to play out. But uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., JaVale McGee, I mean, even Maxi Kleber, uh, given the right circumstance, um, as well as that 2027 first round pick. And now, uh, I don't know exactly what the, what the years were on that first the, or those seconds rather. I thought it was like 25 and 26. Yeah, well, I thought it was like I'm 25 unsure. and uh, I thought maybe one was a 2030. I don't know exactly, uh, but the Mavericks now at least have a little bit in the toolbox to be able to trade as far as transact, uh, you know, as far as seconds go. And th- they've been a new sort of um, currency in, in the NBA transaction market really showcase at this past trade trade deadline. That's important at least to, have a few seconds in your toolbox to, to be able to get some of these guys to absorb in your cap space or just to take back salary for reasons of that nature. Um, it is, but it seems like it's going to become a fairly integral part uh, of, you know, transaction in this new CBA. So happy that they were able to get that in the deal when it didn't even seem like they were going to get draft compensation um, initially. So a uh, big win by Nico Harrison in the front office, like we mentioned with this deal. Now, you know, before we get into some of the moves that the Mavericks could make at the end of this podcast and talk about the flexibility uh, that they still have in terms of potentially adding, you know, another wing or another center, me personally, I think the Mavericks are one starter and one rotation player away from uh, title contention. And I, I don't necessarily think that it has to be, um, you know, a, a center starting or or a wing off the bench. I think it could honestly be either or if they were to get another starting caliber wing um, and, and then, you know, a rotation big, um, if they're able to ship out JaVale McGee, that can at least, um, you know, come in and um, serve as another guy in that bullpen of centers that can provide something a little bit different, uh, something that they maybe don't have, or if they're able to get a starting center and then uh, you know, another rotation wing to come off the bench. I think either of those two routes, honestly, uh, you know, depending on the players, of course, uh, put the Mavericks in a position where they're they're thrusted into uh, contention or at least top four of the West. So it'll be very intriguing to to see what they do in that front. But they almost had uh, their their backup wing here in Matisse Thybul. The Mavericks threw a very lucrative offer sheet at Matisse Thybul yesterday, um, and I believe it was signed earlier today or last night. Uh, whenever the um you know deadline was to where restricted free agents could um you know indeed sign an offer sheet and then the you know incumbent team of course have two days or whatever it is to match uh, under this current rendition uh, of the CBA um you know the Mavericks could have signed any restricted free agent to an offer sheet as soon as free agency opened um 
you know, but it's, it's kind of counterintuitive given that the other team uh, can't start, you know, officially waiting, I guess, to decide if they're going to match the offer sheet, even though they probably have what they're going to do already ironed out in their, uh, on the board in the, you know, in the uh, off season room or whatever, you know, Portland is uh, delegating over there. It's probably like the, the Damian Lillard breakdown room at the moment. Um, but um you know, obviously the the Mavericks though this offer sheet at Matisse yesterday, um, the first day in which you know Portland has about forty eight hours to to match. I believe it officially went through sometime last night. Um, for a total of almost the full MLE, three years, eleven million with a player option. Um, in the last years, we ended up finding out today a fifteen percent trade kicker and fifty percent of his salary needing to be paid out before or of his annual salary for this year, I should preface uh, needing to be paid out uh, before October 1st of this year. So obviously um, really trying to overpay, really trying to snag Matisse Stiebel away from the Blazers. Jaron, what was your reaction to that move at face value, especially given that it was before the Grant Williams move? Um, And in hindsight, after the trailblazers have now matched it, are you relieved? Do you think the Mavericks have other guys that they should be looking at in the first place? Or um, now that, you know, Grant Williams did indeed end up uh, coming to Dallas and we we had that sort of blanket of security, um, does, is this kind of just sort of a sucky situation that they weren't able to, you know, bolster this even further by getting Matisse Seibel with the MLE? Yeah. So, you know, in my little big board, um, you know, I always had like plan B guys and plan C guys. And he was one of the guys that more so fit in that sort of plan B, plan C section. So uh, to see the Mavericks make an offer, especially before the Grant Williams stuff kind of all went down and unfolded. um, I wasn't necessarily surprised. uh, But, you know, in terms of a a team building perspective, I didn't want the Mavericks to necessarily go, I guess, just like uh, full in on one guy. Uh, that's what I thought this team would do whenever they made that offer. Because uh, again, you know, Portland had two or three days to match that offer uh, once it was official. So I, I figured the Mavericks would kind of sit on their hands uh, and wait for that move to be done or to be matched by Portland. And of course, you know, we saw Grant Williams happen or that whole ordeal happen in between all that. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, I'm glad the Mavericks actually, uh, you know, did things during but look, I mean, you know, Matisse Thibel, a very defensive minded guy. Um, I wasn't, you know, all too excited, but I wasn't, you know, necessarily like, oh, you know, this is going to be just yet another move that we're going to be looking at in a few years uh, and thinking we should have gone different. So, you know, I wasn't necessarily, uh, like I said, excited for the move, but I wasn't opposed because, again, I mean, he is a defensive wing, a defensive minded guy that you can bring off the bench uh, and is going to have a big production in what he's able to do. So uh, from that perspective, I, I, I was liking it. Um, but again, you know, I wasn't holding my breath that this was going to happen, holding my breath on this move because again, you know, it was likely that Portland was going to resign. So in hindsight, now that everything's kind of done, Portland, of course, matched that, uh, three year, 33 million, I believe it was, at, uh, that full value. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not like, uh, how do I say it? I'm not, you know, totally, you know, discouraged. I'm not, you know, uh, sad. I'm not depressed that this happened. I mean, Matisse Dybul again, you know, is a guy that's going to, come off the bench and kind of make his, you know, make his due diligence that way. So uh, from that perspective, he he wasn't even going to have the, you know, hugest role uh, for the Mavericks. So, you know, I, I can't really, you know, waste brain power on that. But uh, look, I mean, there's still guys available. Had this been the last free agent, I probably would have taken a lot more, uh, I guess, time to sort of digest all that. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, Matisse Thibault was like one of four guys left at the time. Uh, of course, Grant Williams is off the board now. He's in Dallas. 
Uh, so look, I mean, there's still different moves that this team could make uh, in that restricted free agent market. But, um, you know, I wasn't holding my breath or anything like that. I don't know if you felt differently, Will. Uh, but look, I mean, for a defensive specialist, it would have been good on a defensive side, but offensively would have been a huge question mark. And, you know, I I'm glad that, you know, we at least have our answer now uh, and we're not waiting. So because that'd be a whole dramatic ordeal. But look, I mean, you know, for the uh, less than 24 hour period that it was looking like he was possibly going to be a Maverick, um, it, it would have been fun. So that's all I got to say. But, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not glad I'm not you know mad that he's not in a Mavericks uniform. Uh, Portland had to do from a from a uh, roster building perspective. They pretty much had to retain him. Um, and so at least for them, I'm glad that they did. I mean, I, I would push back given their their sort of roster building situation right now. Uh, Portland's in a sort of precarious position. You know, once they do move on from Damian Lillard, they still have Jeremy Grant um, at this, you know, full, huge five-year max. And then they have, you know, Simon still, and then Scoot's coming into fruition. So who knows exactly how good they're going to be next year. This could be a team that's um, yet again in the bottom portion of the Western Conference, not even close to sniffing the play-in, or they could actually be uh, somewhat competitive if, if Scoot really comes in there and is, is able to uh, catalyze, uh, you know, uh, the start of an era for them, right? Um, but needless to say, um, you know, with these moves, um, you know, I, I don't think that the Blazers were necessarily in a position where their hand was forced to, you know, sign Thibault, especially given their, their potential lack of uh, competitiveness next year. Um, but, you know, there's there's no reason to completely neglect a, you know, really young wing um, who's 6'5 and, you know, has made two all all defensive teams in his career in Philadelphia. I know he's a little bit of an unorthodox defender, you know, in the standpoint that he's a very savvy off ball defender, is very good at picking passing lanes, um, you know, is a pretty good one to one on one defender, but it's definitely not his his niche. He, he's definitely a, a guy that, you know, is more of a recovery defender uh, is really good at sort of, uh, you know, forecasting what, you know, an opposing offensive player is going to do once he gets beat uh, and is able to, you know, make the correct switch, um, you know, or, uh, you know, be able to recover for a chase down block or, or get a steal from behind. Um, I, I mean, I thought he could have been a great point of attack, an off-ball defender for the Mavericks off the bench, especially if they were able to sort of get him to hone in a little bit, um, you know, be a little less um, gamble-prone um, with, with some of those scenarios in, in terms of his one-on-one -on -one defense. I, I thought the Mavericks could have really built, um, you know, an, an Australian trifecta uh, of swarming kangaroos with Dante Exum, Josh Green, and, um, of course, Matisse Thibel there off the bench, you know, at least Josh Green and Matisse, you know, two uber athletic sort of six, five dudes who can get after it on defense. Um, but of course, Matisse, um, he, he is definitely not shown, uh, even a semblance of, a you know, a really a competent offensive game throughout his NBA career so far, uh, at least for NBA standards. I mean, he's a really good transition guy. He gets, gets out there fast. He's, you know, he, he gets to running. Uh, and, and he's not afraid to, you know, finish with some contact uh, out in the open. But, you know, barring that, he is a in the low 30s, high 20s for his career three-point shooting percentage. And he did have a pretty good stint with Portland there those last 20 games or so um, where he started shooting the ball at a much better mark 
uh, particularly in the catch and shoot area, but he was being spoon fed some of those looks. Uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, sort of data on those looks were, um, you know, he was looking at wide open shots. Defenders were purposely leaving him open in the corner, things of that nature. And he was able to capitalize at almost a 40% clip for those last 20 or so games with the trailblazers on catch and shoot corner threes or whatever uh, category it was. But, you know, there's still a lot of question marks with his shot. He is 26 and I- I'm not saying that there's not still time for him to hit his developmental trajectory or, you know, stay, uh, you know, going up on the developmental curve with that shot. Um, but uh, I, I do think, especially as his NBA career go, goes by, um, that that lack of a shot definitely can come back to to bite him in the playoffs, um, even at certain junctures in the regular season. And, you know, he, he definitely is not the most non-one-dimensional guy, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, but he does, he did have some potential definitely as a cutter, um, uh, especially if he could improve that outside shot to be a, a pretty serviceable offensive player. And I wouldn't, you know, take it away from him at this stage in his career. I mean, Alfred Camino, he developed a three point shot, you know, I, I want to say in his mid twenties kind of, so it, it wouldn't have been pedestrian for, you know, the Mavericks to have brought this guy along. And I would have been hyping it up, uh, here. I would have been, you know, leading the brigade for Matisse Thibel in Dallas, I would have been really hyped at the move, you know, even though it would have been a drastic overpay. Uh, it's the sort of thing that you kind of have to do in, in restrictive free agency. And if the Mavericks could have got a uh, a center and, you know, still make the Grant Williams move as they were poised to do, um, they're, they're still sitting at that, that first apron right there. Um, they're not heavy into the luxury tax or anything like that. Um, you know, you do overpay a little bit, but it's not something that necessarily hurts you and, you know, you're you're only adding on to uh, an abundance of help that you were able to accrue over the offseason. So I, I definitely would have liked the move um, for me personally. I thought there's still a little potential in his offensive game. Um, and, you know, the defense, I as good as it is, uh, even with some of those deficiencies, I, I just think that there are things that can be worked around, especially in Jason Kidd's uh, system, which, you know, if I do have to give him credit for uh, in terms of one thing that uh, has been a sticking point in his time in Dallas, especially at least in 2021-22, uh, he has been very defensive oriented. Uh, I think Matisse could have, you know, would have fit fit seamlessly with the culture and everything. He's a, he, he's always seemed like, you know, a true professional. So I would have really welcomed him in Dallas. And it, it sucks that the Trailblazers, you know, went ahead and decided to match it. But, you know, like I said, they are in a position to where um, things, you know, don't necessarily matter uh, in terms of, you know, cost cutting and, you know, other moves like that. They're not in a position where they're trying to contend. So, you know, you might as well keep him from their perspective. You just trade for him and see what he materializes into. I can't blame them, uh, but the Mavericks did throw them a real albatross of a contract um, there that they're gonna that's gonna be sort of hanging around their neck uh, till uh, Matisse Thybulle's time in Portland expires if he doesn't, you know, develop uh, a competent uh, outside shot. Uh, I'd say his uh, sort of dollar amount, what he's actually worth, is is probably well under that eleven million per year. But um, I, I would have been okay with the overpay given the situation the Mavericks were in, adding another point of attack defender that can, you know, defend one through three, uh, maybe even guard up on occasion. It, it would have been a great move, um, you know, it, at least in my opinion. Uh, not an elite move by any standards because that contract definitely uh, could come back to back, the, you know, could come back to bite the Mavericks uh, here on in the future had that materialized. But, of course, Portland matches the um, offer sheet earlier today. Um, like I would probably carry the same sentiment as Jaron. I, I wasn't necessarily like, 
shocked or depressed that they matched the offer sheet, but um, also, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, completely, you know, gleeful and, you know, jumping all over the room. Like I feel like some people on Mavs Twitter were um, who thought the thought the Matisse Thibel contract was so bad that um, they simply just, you know, could not bear it and were waiting for, um, you know, Portland to go ahead and match the offer sheet um, to, to the people in that crowd. Um, I'm, I'm happy that things were able to work out in your favor. Um, but otherwise, uh, not, you know, a totally uh, sort of depressing topic of discussion here for the Mavericks in terms of losing Matisse Thibel. I believe it's the third restricted free agent in the last like 20 years that uh, they were not able to pry away from another team that actually ended up, you know, getting his offer sheet matched by his incumbent team. But it, it was a good effort uh, by Nico Harrison in the front office, given the sort of limited players at that uh, mid-level exception range at this stage in free agency, because a lot of the guys that we thought were poised to land there, um, you know, potentially even a Nas Reed who got, um, you know, extended before the season even started as well as Dylan Brooks, guys of that nature didn't even hit the market or, you know, signed well above and beyond and before uh, what the Mavericks could offer. So, I'm I'm not totally been out, out over shape over it, but I do wish that, you know, it did materialize in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, honestly, I agree with everything that you said. I think you said that very well. Uh, but look, I mean, from a contract perspective, it would have been, uh, you know, definitely way more of an overpay. But look, uh, you know, for the, the time and for the sort of situation at hand, you'd kind of have to overpay uh, for a guy of that caliber. So, you know, I wouldn't have been to opposed to it, uh, you know, had he signed for that dollar figure in Dallas. Um, and look, I mean, you know, even though it didn't, you know, sort of come into uh, come into fruition, you know, it was definitely fun uh, 24 hours to have him sort of not in our grasp, but have him in the news and everything like that. And it was very fun to see. Um, and just like I said, you know, a drama filled 24 hours is it gives us it gives us content. Um, and unfortunately, Portland matched it. But look, uh, that definitely would have filled the wing position of need. Uh, definitely would have rounded that out. And at that point, I think that there's only one more move. Uh, assuming Matisse had, be, or assuming Matisse was coming to Dallas, uh, there would be only one real move left, and that's to sign a starting, or maybe not sign, uh, to trade for a center, uh, whether it's rotational or a starting caliber guy. Uh, so, but look, you know that didn't happen. This team is still, of course, two moves away, in my opinion. Like you had said, uh, a starting caliber center and a rotational wing, or a starting caliber wing and a rotational center. You know, I'm cool with whatever, in my opinion. Uh, but this team is still two guys away. Uh, from potentially competing for an NBA championship. Uh, and look, you know, I, there's different routes, there's different guys. Uh, but look, I'm excited for these next few hours because I, or next few days at rather, uh, because I think one of those moves will probably be done yes. in the next few days. Yeah, no, I, particularly with the starting center move, I could see that being a situation that ends up, you know, feeding late into the offseason, uh, especially, you know, seeing how other teams' rosters are going to round out after, you know, Damian Lillard and James Harden uh, get moved, you know, the two biggest dominoes on the NBA trade market right now, that might create some log jams at certain spots for teams, you know, given their involvement in certain trades and things like that uh, to where, you know, a starting center that you originally thought may not be available could become available. There's obviously a few guys that we'll mention here that the Mavericks could, you know, potentially go after with, you know, not only their their first round pick, but with those new newly acquired second round picks as well, 
I do think now that the Mavericks have those second round picks that it would be wise to, to not have to expel a first round pick unless it's a, you know, you know, damn near all-star starting level center, right. You know, uh, or you're getting a starting level center along with potentially a wing. Uh, Another area of consideration that the Mavericks can take into from a flexibility perspective uh, is taking back a, a little bit more of salary in a trade. They can, you know, take back, that 125 percent um you know sort of salary in a trade uh comparable to maybe only if they're only sending out like a hundred percent um you, you'd have to go through the trade machine on, on spo track or whatever to see exactly what i'm talking about but of course um you know with the mavericks operating under that first apron still having about eight or nine million left they could choose to not use their middle-level exception and just trade for a, a wing and a center take back a little excess salary if they can make the deal work that is definitely a route that um you know could could be plausible. Um, they could still split the MLE into two, uh, potentially sign two year or two guys on like a six point something million dollar contract for however many years, like potentially a Kelly Oubre or a, a Derek Jones Jr. Um, there's restricted free agent Paul Reed out there who you know would definitely feed into the uh competent big man category. Um, I, I think if the Mavericks were to throw an offer sheet like uh, at that like him he's definitely going to fit into more of the mold of the off the bench center um and the mavericks would then maybe need to redirect into focusing on getting a sort of highly coveted wing or or a guy that can at least step up a little bit more in that department um because i i don't know if paul reed is a starting caliber big but he is a sort of mask or uh, maxi esque type of guy that, that backed up in B last year, real switchable sort of four, maybe even five um, that can also play, you know, drop coverage and defend the paint when need be is a sort of pseudo rim protector, um, you know, but that's not his, his, his primary defensive um, sort of focus. I mean, he, he is a guy, like I said, that's pretty switchable at his size can, can guard fours and, you know, step out on the perimeter and fives fairly well. So, I mean, that that's a guy I would be looking at. You know, he also has a decent shot. Um, he played played pretty well during that playoff run for Philadelphia. Um, if the Mavericks are to go the route of adding another bullpen center and um, then trying to look for a, a wing on the trade market, you know, keep an eye on Paul Reed. Uh, even though he's not necessarily um, that that starting caliber center, the Mavericks you know would want to get. I know Philadelphia does want to retain him, so the Mavericks would probably have to overpay with that MLE in the same sort of fashion that they did with Matisse Thibel, but, um, you know, definitely wouldn't say that that uh, would be uh, out of the ordinary or, or a move that, you know, you shouldn't see coming. Um, some other guys than the Mavericks could, you know, potentially target in trades as far as centers go. Like I said at, earlier in the podcast, the Mavericks still have the trade pieces of Tim Hardaway Jr., um, you know, Maxi Kleber, JaVale McGee, even Rashawn Holmes, uh, potentially not Rashawn Holmes, with other, you know, other players, but it, they're at least going to be able to ship him off by himself. Um, so they still have a lot of flexibility. The Mavericks still have a ton of shooting guards, especially if they got Matisse Thibel. It almost seemed like you could maybe even pencil in Tim Hardaway Jr. to be on his way out, but um, maybe there's a little bit more gray area now in terms of him getting shipped off. Um, but look, there's obviously still other moves for this this Mavericks team to make in regards to adding a wing or, you know, a starting caliber big man. And with the flexibility that they have, they 
they are poised to do so. It's just a matter of if they, if they can find the right deals, uh, you know, at, at a fair price. And uh, if they can, you know, get another team to, you know, be as uh, peaked uh, in their interest in terms of some of the Mavericks assets uh, as they could possibly be. So it will definitely have to see, you know, this sort of weird fluctuating situation after Thibel, of course, um, ends up getting retained by the Blazers and they match his offer sheet. We're going to have to see how it all pans out. But personally, Jaron, how do you see some of these moves uh, ending up for the Mavericks? And what directions do you think uh, rather they could potentially go in given um, the flexibility that they have with the M- the, the mid-level exception still, uh, as well as on the trade market with assets like JaVale McGee, um, Tim Hardaway Jr., even if you even if they're not good assets, they are assets um, still applicable to to be traded here. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the Mavericks, in terms of route going, I think that the Mavericks are probably more keen on you know acquiring a starting caliber center. Uh, that's kind of been in the rumor mill probably uh, you know for six days now. Uh, I mean, shit, I, even longer than that, like yeah. years. Uh, but the Mavericks definitely are in the market of uh, acquiring a starting caliber guy now uh, with the assets that they have, or at least the assets that they're willing to deal. Um, so look, I, you know, there's multiple names, uh, definitely like Jared Allen, Avita Zubats. Those are the guys that kind of mentioned or, uh, jump out to me. Uh, but there's some other guys on the market that would probably be available at a smaller price. Uh, but in terms of starting caliber, those are the top two names to me, but Maybe. I think, you know, definitely in terms of route going, the Mavericks would be more keen on getting a starting caliber center. Uh, and look, I mean, this team could possibly go into the season with a position of need still needed. Um, I, I'm not necessarily opposed to that as long as they are rounding out the issues of you know most importance. Uh, but you know, if this team you know went into the offseason either without a wing, I, I, like the thing is, is they have the assets to you know get these two positions of need this year, uh, this offseason. So I I don't think there's really an excuse to go into the season uh, without those two positions of need kind of uh, unaccounted for. Uh, but look, if they are going to end of the season or if that is a plan of theirs, um, I would rather it being the be the wing position because I just don't think that there is a center on this team who can start. Um, I mean, you could have made that argument last year. Uh, but look, I, you know, I, I just think this team is probably way more keen, especially from what we've heard, uh, on getting a center rather than a wing. But I definitely still think that they know that they need another wing on this roster to round out this team. Yeah. And I mean, we know that they'll at least have one more move on the tank, even if it's just a a mere salary dump because JaVale McGee, as reported by Mark Stein, um, in some sort of form or fashion or another, uh, is going to end up at least either being a stretch wave for the Mavericks in the worst case scenario or dumped. Uh, so they you know, do have the room to be able to facilitate another MLE signing. So uh, if they do wish to use that MLE potentially between two guys, um, then you know we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, another guy that I could see the Mavericks throwing an offer sheet at, maybe an Io DeSumo from the Bulls. He'd be a little harder to pry away given how young he is. Um, I believe he's like a second-round pick or whatever, So, or maybe he was a first-round pick, but the way his contract worked out, he ended up hitting restricted free agency fairly early on. Maybe they could get him. Um, you know, At that point, you definitely got to move on from one of your guards, though, because even you know compared to Matisse, he's definitely more of a point guard on offense. Uh, and the Mavericks would definitely have a pretty definitive log jam there. Uh, so that would be an interesting situation to monitor. But there are still some guys the Mavericks could offer part of the MLE to, you know, potentially splitting it between Seth Curry, or they could just sign Seth Curry to the biannual exception, set a, shed some of that McGee salary, 
and of course uh, still be poised to split it between two guys or give the full MLE to one guy. Um, I think at this point, if they are going to use the MLE, it's probably going to be t- between two guys. I don't know if there's any other guys on the market that are, are poised to, you know, be able to um, get the whole MLE by themselves. Um, but we will um, go ahead and, and see exactly what they do with that uh, flexibility that they have there. And then, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is, I think, the biggest question mark going forward. What are the Mavericks going to do with his salary? Rashawn Holmes potentially as well, um, but that move has not be, you know, been made official yet. Um, so we'll see if they end up doing anything else with that flexibility there um, in terms of being able to acquire a starting caliber big man. If they do go into the offseason, like Jaron said, with or or the season rather they go into you know media day day one um without either of those positions i would hope that you know it's a, it's that backup wing position i think that that is a little less integral to the success of the team than a starting caliber center but it'll be an interesting situation to monitor pj washington is a is another name that to, you know definitely to at least look for uh the mavericks would have to sign and trade for him i don't even know exactly how you know the sort of ramifications of that deal uh, what what they would entail, uh, because I I know it would be complex. I know he's seeking a pretty big dollar amount, hence why I think Charlotte probably hasn't uh, been able to get him yet. Especially you know after striking out on Grant Williams, you'd think that they are very much poised to re-sign him. But he was in the rumor mill, not really from anybody credible, but uh, from a, just a lot of people on NBA Twitter. So if the Mavericks were to go more of the the wing route, I mean, what a get that would be at this stage. Um, in the off season, and then you know, adding you know maybe a starting or a fringe starting center or another guy that can be in rotation, you have a complete off season at that point. So they have a lot of different routes they can still go. It's just a matter of which one of those routes are attainable, uh, which are plausible, uh, and which they could actually execute upon a you know before the seasons, uh, you know begins. Because I think if we've learned one thing with Nico Harrison. Um, he he makes these really really good moves but he he's not a guy he doesn't seem like a gm that will just you know take these you know bigger sort of risks uh, is gonna go for some of these deals that may or may not even you know be on the table in the first place so we'll we'll monitor it going forward for sure um but i i don't you know know if um the the mavericks are done um or if they are not but i can tell you as much as that i think the mavericks don't want to be done. I think that they still recognize the holes within this roster still want to improve, but uh, they did a great job in that by getting Grant Williams uh, today. And I mean, if this is only the beginning of a, a couple more moves to be made for this off season, uh, you know, what a systematic turnaround that the Mavericks were able to make after, you know, a huge down year after the Western conference finals uh, props to the front office and everybody, if they are, but you know, furthermore, even right now, um, you know, great moves that they've made so far. Um, I, I would at least give them a, a B at the complete low end if the offseason ended today. Um, you know, I know you said B plus. It, it would kind of just depend on how things end up panning out. But at the very least, given their moves, uh, the Mavericks have hit the nail on the head in the offseason so far. And I, I think there's still a lot more in the tank. And uh, I, I don't want to be a Donnie Nelson to the fan base. Uh, by saying that and and then nothing ended up coming to fruition don't blame me at the end of the day i'm not you know making the decisions uh up on a nowitzki way or you know in the depths of the aac office but um i if i had to guess i I still think there's more moves on the horizon jaron do you have any lasting predictions uh, for what's to happen going forward 
Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily have any predictions uh, or any. There's a lot of different directions they could go into. There is, there is, and that's, that's why I think um, nice about this. That's why, yeah, absolutely, and that's why I think you know predicting things uh, is very, very hard to do, especially uh, with today's NBA and especially covering the Mavericks because right now it seems like they're in every rumor possible. Uh, and look, I mean, they got Grant Williams, an absolute amazing get. Uh, and I mean, you know, of course that backup wing and uh, a starting center, in my opinion, are probably the biggest positions of need. So we'll see what this team can do. But I, you know, in my opinion, I would agree with you. I don't think that this team is done, uh, by any means. I still think that they're probably going to get, um, for sure. One of the last two positions of needs. Uh, so it just kind of depends on which one they get or which one they do try and go for. So look, I absolute, uh, positive off season thus far. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, we're only six days into, uh, quote for quote the off season, uh, and we're about to get into summer league, so we're about to get into some yes. exciting things. Um, you know, with free agency and with the trade market still going on, so I'm excited to see what happens. But again, I you know if if I had any predictions to make, um, within the next few days, the Mavericks are going to make a move, and they're going to make, um, hopefully a good move that is uh, with a starting center. That would be the absolute best if we could get a Zubats, if we could get a Jared Allen. My God, like I I mean I might go full fan sort of uh speculation and i will start tattooing 2024 channel oh, on my back already yes. so, <laughs> no, yeah. but in all seriousness if like if they could acquire a guy of that caliber you know uh, dallas might be set on fire so uh, it would yeah. be a crazy time to be alive and a no, crazy I, time I, I know mark Stein did say in his stubs his Substack chat that he doesn't know if the Mavericks would have the the wherewithal to go after a guy like a Jared Allen or if Zubac would even be available. I mean, there's a lot of guys to monitor. Uh, you know, look at a Daniel Gafford uh, up in Washington. That's a pretty disgruntled situation. I mean, that's a guy still with a lot of potential at his age. Look at him. Um, and, and, of course, those other two guys, we don't know how those situations are going to play out in Los Angeles um, as well as Cleveland if they make any more moves, um, you know, via trade to where – you know, they they do create a situation to where they're comfortable moving on with one of those guys, and that'd be very interesting, especially Allen. I mean, the Mavericks probably have to empty the asset pool, but, I mean, it would be probably well worth it given the uh, the trade that could potentially come out on that front. So uh, it, it's an exciting time to be a Mavericks fan. I will say in terms of my prediction that I, I think we'll have answers within the next 48 hours in regards to some sort of direction that the Mavericks are going to pick, um, whether – we get some report that there's really not much heating up on the, you know, trade market for a center until after the James Harden and Damian Lillard sagas unfold. Uh, I could see us, you know, Mark Stein potentially dropping something where the Mavericks are going to kind of stand pat for a little bit, see how everything goes, um, you know, or, you know, the ability at least to, to exercise some of that MLE money um if they if they choose to do that or if they'd rather take back a wing in the trade at, in, in a trade at this point um I, I think we'll at least have answers within the next 48 hours i hope at least and it'll be really exciting to see whatever future moves they do uh if they actually do do something but um you know great off season up until this point even if it were to end today it's definitely not uh, a terrible off season. I think that's what most excites me, but they have a lot of opportunities to be able to maybe get two guys, even with that MLE, um, you know, as potentially, you know, as well as potentially a starting caliber center. Now, you know, it may not be the most lucrative guys that we end up signing with our remaining money, but I mean, we could at least take a, a pinch on some flyers and see where it goes. So, um, you know, or take back a, a little bit of excess salary in a trade. So, like I said, just a lot of different directions, a lot of more flexibility and the Mavericks get, 
They're starting three slash four in Dallas. Um, this is an exciting time to be a Mavericks fan, especially if they continue to um, burn the boats here. If they continue to burn the boats, throw them in the air, claim their territory upon you know the NBA stampede and establish themselves as champions, uh, like Chuck Cooperstein famous, famously said on the radio call once the Mavericks uh, you know, beat the Heat in Game Six. Uh, I, I don't know if I hit the nail on the quote exactly, but it was something like that, something of that ilk. So we're just gonna go ahead and roll. It with was it. something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Um, but uh, you know, they they could be right back in that neighborhood given the the right moves, and I think that that's the perfect point to end the podcast on. You know, over celebrating a little bit over a year of this podcast last year, Jaron, we were in complete despair, having just lost Jalen Brunson, hanging on to Christian Wood somehow becoming an all-star as our only sort of string of hope as, as well as Jaden Hardy's development in summer league. We're, we're poised with a, a lot more, um, a lot more readiness, uh, playoff readiness. I think a lot more talent now, uh, a lot more excitement and you might just catch, you know, screw around and catch me and Jaren at one of these summer league games. If uh, the Mavericks, you know, continue to, to turn on this brigade because, um, uh, it, it's got to a point of excitement that our, our financial statuses may not have to be taken into account anymore. Sometimes, you know, it, it might just be a fucking mentality. Money, money, money is merely an ancillary object, uh, meant to, you know, facilitate the transactions of, um, goods and services here in the world, but to the mainstream mouse podcasts, um, you know, we don't hold much weight to those things over true experiences. We, we really Absolutely. are, you know, you're, you're idealized um sort of young experience havers over here and we're going to provide the most in-depth coverage because of that so if, if there's one thing that you can look forward to with us is that we're going to go broke in four years but other than that we are going to end the podcast on that note thank you for listening to the mainstream mouse podcast um it, it's been a really exciting one i can't wait to see what the mavericks are going to do going forward even if there's no moves made jaron i think we should cop back on in the next day or two um, we took a little bit of a, a leave of absence there, kind of at least seeing what would happen at the start of free agency. Um, not necessarily leave of absence. We definitely covered the Seth Curry news and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I think it's time to get churning on some of these uh, Seth Curry, Grant Williams fits, potentially if the Mavericks, you know, end up prolonging um, the, this offseason period um, in terms of, you know, still being able to acquire more talent. So we'll, we'll definitely... Uh, be a little bit more uh, consistent in between days, be providing some more content for you guys. We really appreciate all the feedback. Make sure to keep getting at us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are available on almost any podcast listening platform. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating. Uh, follow us, turn on your post notifications, uh, give us a five-star review if you if you so please. We would really appreciate any feedback, whether it be constructive uh, or just you know terrible in all capacity uh we we probably deserve it so just give it to us and uh we will get back to you um with a loving message and uh also make sure to get at us on youtube of course like i had mentioned mainstream mouse podcast on youtube um the videos be going crazy even though jaren's camera quality was probably suffering for about 75 percent of this <laughs> uh because he's currently um in a in a cabin um hiding from a tornado in indiana um so and that's just merely happenstance. We can't do much about some of these things. We're going to record do much about that. regardless of the climate, regardless of any other sort of outside factors, even if, um, you know, we, we do go to Las Vegas and I end up losing um, my life savings 
on the slot machines. There will still be a podcast that night, um, rest assured. So make sure to comment down below. What do you think the Mavericks move is going to be next? And if you're a real loyal listener and you really care, comment down below. Where should Jaren's setup be next? Where Where's the next destination in the United States he needs to go to to record from? Because we might be sending him around the globe now. He might be the mainstream Mavs global ambassador. We got we got big things coming over here. So uh, you guys just let us know that. And uh, other than that, make sure to get out our Twitter. Of course, our new Twitter at Mainstream214. If you have not followed us on our new Twitter, make sure to please go do that. We are trying to build that platform up and it's huge for our podcast. We would really appreciate that. But other than that, Grant Williams is a maverick. And uh, I, I think I just saw the Batman signal outside, Jaren. I think we got. We did leave. see just. Oh, yeah, we, we gotta, gotta go. Batman's outside. We gotta do Batman's it. outside. <laughs>